Hi, this is Michael Lowe, and you're listening to... May I ask you a question? My next guest is Thomas Hodsey, who, along with his sister Ruth, are the driving force behind Christ of First Importance Ministries. Thomas and his family are dedicated to strengthening churches, planting churches, and caring for vulnerable children in Zimbabwe, his home country. I was struck by Thomas's patient approach to training pastors and building infrastructure to faithfully fortify God-honoring churches in Zimbabwe, especially in the remote villages. Thomas's care for the people of Zimbabwe is deep and sincere, and the testimony of faith that God is writing in his life was such an encouragement to me. One note, this episode is not broken up, since most podcast players allow you to, to pause and restart where you left off. Hopefully the episode length isn't too intimidating, and hopefully it listens well at faster playback speeds. All right, on to the episode. Thanks for listening. Thomas Hodsey, thanks for coming to the podcast. It's good to see you again. Thanks for having me. Um, it's uh, one thing I realized that in, in the few interactions that you've had, I've never heard your story of faith. Uh, hmm. Do you mind sharing a little bit of your testimony, how God started the journey that you're walking with him on now? Sure. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Zimbabwe uh, in a family that was um, very religious, but um, my growing up was also in a context that um, both um, synchronized ancestral worship mm. with the faith. Yep. Uh, my dad was actually a pastor in one of the churches there. But uh, sad to say, I actually don't remember hearing the gospel <laughs> in wow. the church. Okay. Um, but the Lord was, was working in me even during that time. Um, my growing up, I realized I, I was an idolater. I worshipped other gods. I was good on the outside, based my faith on my dad, who was a pastor, and um, I felt my relationship was good based upon that. But the Lord shook me when my dad lost that position in the church because of various things that were happening and came to realize I really didn't have a relationship with God because that which I trusted in um, was gone. Um, And it was around the same time that I changed schools to go to a different high school. And the Lord just put uh, one of the students there to just share the gospel with me. Mm. He was so faithful to talk about sin and how I was separated with God how Jesus came and died on the cross for my sin, rose from the dead, how I needed to repent. And my eyes were just opened to that reality that I had no relationship with him and I wasn't worshiping the one true God. Um, So I repented of my sin, asked for forgiveness from the Lord and God was very gracious to grant me that salvation. And uh, that was in high school? That was in high school, okay. yeah. And uh, since then, just God has been very kind to work slowly in me. <laughs> um, I used to be known, or I used to struggle before I got saved, even with outbursts of anger mm. and um, all of those things. God has been kind to work in me and just to also understand there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And just have a desire to serve him and 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 love him um yeah um and uh you said you grew up in a very religious family Mm -hmm. uh but it was kind of some combination or or mixture i guess it was like a uh because my understanding is that most of zimbabwe claims to be christian that's right and uh would you say that a lot of that's just on paper 
a lot of that that's on paper because a lot of those statistics will include anyone really who names the names of the name of Christ but as you and I both know that's different in understanding what the true gospel is so you have people who claim to be Christian and they still go to church on Sunday but during the week they're going to visit the witch doctors the prophets a lot of people who believe in the prosperity false gospel mm. are included in that uh, so that that's on paper compared to what is reality on the ground when when people say that they are Christians what is it that in their minds makes them Christian just knowing that there is God and going to church okay many times um, yeah you have you have churches being filled but people's lives are not changed mm. and uh, that tells you a lot that tells you a lot if people are still comfortable living in their sin if people are still relying on other things other than God as their security mm -hmm. and their satisfaction um, if people cannot articulate even what the gospel is and they're in the church that that tells you a lot yeah yeah do um i guess uh part of me wonders how did christianity become such a norm that so many people would associate with it but the gospel would be so um uh neutered mm. yeah so zimbabwe was uh colonized by the british and with that also came christianity mm -hmm. Um, that's that's one aspect so you you have a historical background to that but then you also have um, the advent of the prosperity gospel mm. lately the importing of the prosperity gospel that is and that has just saturated uh, the the religious platform you think about access to uh, technology now and TV that will show a lot of the prosperity gospel channels that you also have here yeah. are what people also watch there. So you have that familiarity with Christianity that's around there as well. Um, with with the, the, the British colonization uh, and Christianity coming through that, um, do you think that, uh, that it became more culturally accepted just because if you become Christian, then you stand out less in a bad way uh, to, the, to the British authorities? Um, well, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that would have um, been, especially at the very beginning. Um, but I know definitely in the cities, um, if you were to divide Zimbabwe with, between the cities and the rural areas, in the cities that, that became just so prevalent, the rural areas still hold on quite a lot to their traditional religious beliefs. And the ancestral worship? Yeah, okay. that's, that, that was rife. That's still very rife there. But definitely in the villages, in the cities, I think that became quite the norm and association. And also, um, particularly since a lot of the concentration of um, the British was there, um, in the villages you do also have um, pockets of that because uh, with colonization also came a lot of missionaries from outside that also did a lot in developing uh, missionary schools, for example. So missionary mm. schools, missionary hospitals. So in some pockets of the villages, you had people going to these schools and these hospitals for various reasons, advancement in life and things like that. 
and they would have been familiarized with Christianity there as well. I see. Yeah. I see. Huh. Um, and so for you, you grew up in the city, uh, the city I capital? I grew up in the city. Harare? in the city. That's right. Okay. Yep. Um, and then, uh, so you became a believer in high school. And then um, at some point, I know you came to the States for seminary, correct? I did. Yeah. So what was, uh, what was the timeline between high school and then coming to, to the States for seminary? Well, after high school, um, I, it took me about a year. Um, actually, I was waiting to go and study at the main university in Zimbabwe called the University of Zimbabwe. Um, I'd always been raised um, to think and aim high. Uh, there was a lot of expectation for my dad to become a lawyer. Oh. So after I actually finished high school, I was actually accepted into law school. But uh, the Lord had other plans. And um, during that time I was waiting and had been saved, the Lord just kept tugging more and more at my heart that my my life just needed to be devoted to Him, to ministry, to to serving Him. And so I declined that um, offer from the university. And um, Was that I, disappointing for Dad? <laughs> to say the least, that was very disappointing for my dad. Actually, there was... Uh, uh, a very vivid conversation I had with him where basically he he said or offered that if, if I were to stay and go to law school, everything would be paid for. Hmm. But if I were to leave and be in ministry, he wouldn't be able to finance a single cent, uh, nor was he willing to. So, um, hmm. but but to me that that it was so clear that this was a matter of obedience to the Lord. Um, I had no idea how it was going to work. I had a sister who was out here at the time, uh, my sister Ruth, and um, reached out to her as well. I still have an email that I sent to her that she uh, responded to, and I was just expressing to her the salvation, but also not knowing the direction and thinking through how can I actually accomplish what the Lord wants me to accomplish within the context I was. I knew I needed training, but I didn't know where. And so in that email... Was she, she a believer at the time? She, she had uh, just become a believer, if I'm not mistaken. But um, but in that email, she uh, talked about, almost quote-unquote, I believe it in my bones that... I can feel it in my bones that God has something great for you. Hmm. And let's work to get you out here. Um so during that time too, um, I, you know, I was, a, I was a new believer, learning a lot, um, but I also had a lot of fears and anxieties. Um, I was one person who was always in f afraid speaking in front of people. I'm sure you've heard many of those people yeah. who would stutter, who would uh, just, you know, start shivering whenever they get in front of people and things like that. All throughout high school, I was like that. And so I did the one thing you should never do with God, and that's to put terms <laughs> to your relationship. And in serving him, I said, I will do this, Lord, but um, only in a context when it's like this, when it's you and I one-on-one. -on -one. Um, counseling was the first thing that came to mind. Hmm. Um, and the first rational thing that came was that I should study psychology. So I came out here to study psychology initially. Um, but um, in, after about three years of studying psychology at a community college, things just 
kept not also not making sense because in that studying and studying God's word, I was also challenged again to think through, man, I haven't even come across some of the truths of the gospel. Hmm. I haven't come across the aspect of sin. I haven't come across the aspect of who man really is. You mean in your psychology studies? In my psychology studies. Yeah. I haven't come across this aspect of, um, you know, the salvation that Christ offers and how does that all fit in instead of blaming it all on man, environment, the past, things like that. Sure. Um, and I, I then became um, aware of a different program of uh, biblical counseling at that time. And of course, I'm still in that period at this point, stage of God, I would do this if it's one-on-one. You know? yeah. um, so I, I ended up switching my major to biblical counseling. And, uh, and that was, a, was that a school here in Southern California? That was a school here in Southern California, the Master's um, College, the then Master's yes, College. Now, now the university. university. Yep. Um, and, um, but that fear was still with me of the speaking in front of people and things like that. But I was told that, hey, in order to graduate, you need to go through a speech class. Oh, no. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I kept that till the end. Um, but then I ended up, uh, when there was time, I just had one question for my counselor to ask, what are the options? So if you can either take a speech class or you can take preaching. Um, so how many times do you have to speak in each one? <laughs> in uh, the speech class, you have to speak, I think it was like five or seven times. I don't remember. Preaching was like two times, like, Okay, that's a no-brainer. I'll do preaching again. <laughs> Not out of a good motivation or a motivation to please Christ. It was just I just I just don't want to stand in front of people. But uh, God was kind when that time came um, to actually speak at the preaching class. I remember my first message was in Jonah, uh, and for the first time, I stood in front of people without trembling. Huh. I stood in front of people without fear. And out of a conviction that what I was saying was true, was right, and it came from the authority of God. Hmm. And that changed everything, because after that, my professor looked at me and said... That was the first sermon that you... That was the first sermon. And he said, you're going to seminary. (laughs) 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 And the rest... The rest is history. Um, was that a, what kind of an experience was that for you? Like when you got up there, you, were you nervous? It, up until I was the moment so when nervous you... in preparing, or so nervous all the way up to the last second before I started the first word. Um, I was so so nervous, um, and I had friends come and support me. And one of those friends at that time, who came just to to be a support was a very good friend who later on became my wife, or oh, who is now my wife, <laughs> um, uh, Dani. So she was there for the very first sermon that I preached there. Yeah. Uh, what do you like when you're nervous like that? Or do you, do you like, sometimes for me when I'm nervous, I'll just eat more or uh, like I start drinking more water or just like I have these kind of fidgety things. Yeah. Are, are you an eater? Are you a... <laughs> I just tremble. My heart beats so fast. Yeah. that my voice shakes um do you lose sleep uh uh no i think i sleep i think i probably wake up earlier than i should yeah. uh, so it's it's mostly thinking about the worst possible thing that could actually happen but um but all of that too as is i worked through it over the years is just you know a fear of man i think that's what it boils down to mm. and um 
yeah, I think getting to a point where you fear God more than you fear man has been a, a huge, huge um, point of growth that the Lord has put in me. Yeah. When you uh, got up to speak um, and, and you didn't have the fear, um, did you, was it just, uh, was there a level of conviction because of the truth? Like, mm -hmm. or, or did you, or, I mean, to some extent, was it, did you feel just really well prepared? Like, what do you think it, it was? No, actually, it? I, I don't think it was about, I mean, preparation was part of it. Obviously, I spent a lot of time, but I think the main thing was conviction. Conviction that this is what God's word says, and this is true. Um, and this is not man's thoughts but these are the thoughts of the creator the thoughts of the one who wrote the word of god so i think that was the main conviction that was there and it it it, it eclipsed any fears that you had of right. all these eyes staring right. at you absolutely and understanding or getting to a point where when you stand up there it's only about being faithful to please the lord and not worrying about people or what they're going to think um it, I mean, it doesn't mean that you're going to be careless, obviously, when you get sure. up there and, you know, offend unnecessarily, but um, that, you know, you have an audience of one, really, to please, who is the Lord. Was it freeing? It was very freeing. It was surprising. Yeah. <laughs> it was surprising because I hadn't done that before, but um, it was very freeing. And, um, you know, if, if, you, if you ask me to make a speech about anything else other than God's word, I think yeah. sometimes I still struggle with some of those things because there's not really that conviction. But um, but been growing over the years of that. Um, do you think that you actually did a good job? Like when you look back on, on that uh, sermon that you from Jonah? Yeah, you know, that's the interesting part. You know, when you look back and obviously the Lord keeps growing you and you're like, and I wish I knew what I knew now. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always true? Yeah, when I when I preached that sermon, but for that time, I think God gave grace for that time for yeah. what I knew. Yeah. Yep. Um. Whoa. And at what point then? So you 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 were told, okay, you're going to seminary, mm -hmm. and was there any wavering in that for you, or were you just like, okay, no, I think that's true. I think I should go. I think. Um, it was good to have the affirmation of um, uh, godly people. Mm -hmm. I think that was that was good, and I think that really also brought me to a point of um, realizing my own sinful heart. Of hey, I remember when I actually was convinced that this is God's call, but I also remember the time when I put terms to this, and that was sinful. Mm -hmm. um, so that. So that was that was a um, that was that was good to have, but also a time also of repentance and getting to a point where you realize that you have to trust in the Lord, in your weaknesses. I have to trust in my Lord, in the Lord, in the, the weaknesses that I have. Um, I cannot do it by myself. It's God who helped me in this, and um, it's 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 being called um, with the weaknesses that you have and understanding that Christ's strength will be sufficient for you. Uh, when you talk about uh, levels of sinfulness and needing to repent, can you explain that about that a little bit more in terms of uh, putting the terms on it and, and whatnot? Um, the levels of weaknesses and sinfulness, by this I mean that um, 
it's it was basically a lack of trust that God will help you with the weaknesses that you have that if God calls you to something he will provide what you need to be able to accomplish it mm. he will give you the grace that you need when you need it um, so for me um, it was the weakness in speech mm. right um, that I'd always grown up with and but that's how God called me with that and God would equip me and help me with that and I think that has translated and helped me in so many areas even up to now that I am still weak in so many ways mm -hmm. and sometimes even in ministry you may understand and have this conviction that God wants you to do this or this is the direction that you should go in ministry but you don't have what you need you don't even understand how you're going to get what you need but I think that 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 was a marker for me to also apply now in saying well I think God wants us to do this yeah maybe we don't have the money to do it maybe we don't have the enough people to do it but if God is calling us to do it then he will supply what we need hmm. and so we just need to trust and um yeah so that so um that 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 is something that I not only had to repent of then, of not trusting him and relying on his grace, but something that God has stuck in my mind to always remember those truths. Um, do you, when, when you created those terms, uh, do you think that you... Um, was it clear what you were supposed to do, but you kind of were maybe wrestling some levels of control or inserting your your levels of doubt by creating those terms? I think it was clear. I think it was clear in the sense of, um, in the sense that I knew that many people needed to know Christ in my country. Mm. I knew that. I knew that the best platform for that would be in the church, through the church, pastoral ministry. Um, but the aspects of control and self-doubt and all of those things, I think, are what crept in in that and not trusting him fully in that. Mm -hmm. So then, after that that preaching class, mm -hmm. then you said, okay, after I'm done with, with my undergrad, I'm going to go to seminary. Yeah. So at, at what point in the timeline did you begin to th uh, think about uh, Christ the First Importance Ministries that you're uh, involved mm -hmm. with now? When... We've, when my wife and I decided to go back to Zimbabwe in 2011, uh, we, we didn't have Christ of First Importance in our minds. We only had um, the conviction that we have been called to go to Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. And we had the conviction that, um, you know, we, we were meant to train pastors and then also to be involved in the church and... We, we didn't have a clear path at that time of, you know, pastoring a church and where that would be. So, but after serving in Zimbabwe from 2011 to about 2014 um, and, and starting to train pastors within the context of uh, one of the theological institutions that is there in Zimbabwe called Harare Theological College, it's in the city. Um, we 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 started seeing the potential of the ministry and the impact being bigger than we actually imagined or thought. Because while I was still teaching there at the school, 
I started going out into the villages through various connections and started training pastors. Um, and sometimes it would be under a tree or whatever derelict building that that would be there oftentimes. And, um, and, but after a while, we started seeing that it wasn't just one village that, that wanted training. The word just started spreading to different mm-hmm. villages over and over again of, hey, um, you can come and learn God's word here every month under this tree and, and just be able to understand God's word. Now, to give a little bit of context to this, um, the theological institutions in Zimbabwe, the one that at least that I was mentioning, are uh, in a very city context. And for you to actually get in, there needs to be a level of education that you need to have. But that's catering for about 30% of the population. 70% of the population is in rural areas, and many of them do not have access to good education, mm. and so could not come to get trained in the city. Oh. And then you also don't have the presence of um, good theological institutions that are there in the villages, uh, let alone that teach in the local language. Um, and also, if you're going to have a theological institution even in the villages, you need to charge money. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're in a context where people do not have that money. So those are some of the challenges uh, and the conviction that actually led us to go and then start teaching in these villages. Uh, in these villages, uh, do most of the people there have a, a sense for what Christianity is, at least uh, a general framework, or is it completely new to them? Yeah, I think in the villages um, you have a you have a concept of what Christianity is, and um, but it's 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 not a it's not a deep con- concept because one of the things you find is that we we have had many missionaries go out in the villages. Mm-hmm. And they share the gospel, but they don't stay. They don't stay. Um, you have perhaps short-term missions that go for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, people believe. Of Zimbabwe nationals? Uh, there may be Zimbabwe nationals or people from outside Zimbabwe. Okay. Um, but people believe. And I think there's a lot of excitement that comes with that too. And reporting that, hey, we shared the gospel. X amount of people came to know the faith. And then those people then withdraw. And then they leave these communities with just, oftentimes, just a basic, basic knowledge of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then sometimes also you, you cannot tell if there's true salvation that has actually occurred because it takes time for some of those things to, to prove themselves or to show fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what you now start finding is that either a number of those churches that people say that we planted mm-hmm. do not last. Yeah. They don't last. Um, that's, that's at best. <laughs> right? But at worst, they continue, but in a, in a way that is very, very heretical. Oh, under the guise of, Christianity, the guise of but, Christianity, but the content is right, not at right, all true. Right. So, so then you start having even pastors who are not saved. Right, and then you start having what is supposed to be the Church of Christ, the body of Christ, having um, other issues within there, such as you know this merging of ancestral worship and things like that that yeah. are in there. Um, so 
for me, I say that that's worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually worse than the church just just dying because yeah. then that that just that just does so much damage to the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's what you start finding in 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 those contexts. So a lot of those are, um, I mean, the the on the spectrum of transaction versus relational. Those a lot of those approaches tend to be more transactional. Okay, let's right. go and do something. Right. Maybe not for the sake of saying that we did it, but we can also say that we did it. Yeah, but absolutely. We're, but we're not doing anything enduring. Absolutely. And then you also have um, another uh, aspect to this, which 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 really is sad and motivated oftentimes by prosperity gospel mentality, mm-hmm. in that church planting in rural contexts um, is almost like a pyramid scheme. You know, not just in rural context, but also in city context in Zimbabwe, where you may have a church that is led by apostle or bishop X, um, and that mother church then plants several churches, but with the intention that each church contributes to the mother church. Mm-hmm. So whether it's church X plants Ten churches, and each of those ten churches contribute ten percent of their money to Church X, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and and then it becomes the more churches you plant, the more money that this mother church gets, yeah. which is really a reversal of roles. Of instead of the mother church plants with the good motivations of the gospel, actually going out in discipleship and training, and then that mother church actually supports these churches. It's actually an inverted kind of scenario that is there. So you you then find that uh, churches are uh, it's it's a um, uh, it's something that you even plan on paper and say on this year we're going to plant twenty churches mm-hmm. you know we're going to plant fifty churches and so forth but it's a transactional relationship yeah. between those plants and this this church that is there and obviously those churches are not going to be healthy those churches are going to have the wrong motivation. Um, those churches are going to many times be often filled with heresy or just preaching money every week mm-hmm. um, because they have targets and they have goals that are there. And that is so different from existing for the honor of Christ. Run truly like a business. It's a business, yep. Um, what, uh, with, those, with a lot of those churches, what are the conversations or pre- uh, sermons or activities of those church, churches like? Yeah, the activities all center around money. Oftentimes, they center around um, money, tithes, um, titles. <laughs> they center around offices, power, respect, mm-hmm. those things. Um, so they're basically under the patronage, or they exist under the patronage of a of one man or one couple. Um, and to please that one couple, one man of the apostle and the bishops and things like that. Uh, so very seldomly, if at all, do you find the gospel being preached in those churches. Somehow every sermon will come back to money. Hmm. you know. And so now the association then is that for you to have a relationship with God, you need to give more. For you to have a relationship with God, you, it's, it's actually... Uh, the evidence of that is God actually blessing you with wealth and with with health and all of those things associated with the prosperity gospel that will be there. Yeah. So, and then in those churches, if you were to ask someone, um, why do you think you're a Christian? You know, because I've God, given, because I've I, given, yeah. and God blessed me with this. Yeah. 
you know, instead of this is the gospel mm. and this is why I believe I'm a Christian. Um, why, um, I don't say this necessarily in a condescending way, uh, why, why do the people in those villages, uh, I guess, uh, believe or, or subordinate to those types of churches? Mm-hmm. Like, what's their thought process? What's their motivation? Well, you'll find that oftentimes you're going to find a direct link, um, or not a direct link, but something that of the prosperity gospel that resonates with what's already there in a traditional religious setting. Okay. Um, a traditional religious setting of ancestral worship is based upon blesses and curses from the ancestors, based upon how you're living. Mm. And then you bring in a, uh, a theology that is, is kind of along the same lines of blessings and curses from a God mm. based upon how you give and do not give and things like that. So it's, it's easily, it easily resonates. People easily um, um, grab a hold of it. Um, there is the, the, the lack of a theology of suffering and all of those things. Um, just, they just fits very well with what's already there on the ground. Same system, different Same names. Same system, different names. Yep. Hmm. Yep. And within that too, of uh, a cultural setting where you have ancestral worship and the ancestors are mediators, in a sense, between mm-hmm. you and, and, and the creator, you come and you bring a system also where you, you place the man of God almost at, at such at the same level. Of the man of God is the one that intercedes for you. Mm. Yes, you talk about Jesus and everything, but the man of God really is, is 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 so revered that that he blesses and all of those things, and he he sees favor from the Lord, mm. um, and so you have people also resonating with that as well. Uh, so at some point, then within all of these activities, as you were teaching at Harare Theological college right mm-hmm. and then then you started to realize oh there's such a small access by percentage of people who can hear the true gospel mm-hmm. that you felt the need to go bring it to the, uh, the the villages yeah because as i was teaching there i believe i taught at our theological college for um over six or seven years but as far as best as i can remember i i remember very few people learning there from the villages and going back to the villages. Yeah. And that was sad for me for various reasons. Yeah. Um, and then to actually realize that we actually need to spend more time in the villages. We have enough trained people who are there in a city context, at least at that school, who are doing a good job and can train well. Um, but how can we impact more the villages there? And I think as that got bigger and bigger, that was the that then was the realization of we need we need to start something that everything or all of these things fall under the umbrella of the aspect of training pastors, the aspect of planting churches, the aspect also of often often work, um, and so that's when Christ of First Importance was started, twenty fifteen. Um, is uh, and so. Uh, from what I read on uh, the Coffin, is that what you call it yes. as a, a shorthand? Mm-hmm. Um, Coffin's website, uh, your goal is is to find um, 
church leaders who are faithful, teachable, willing, and available. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your process for vetting people that way? Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, our main process is through time. Through time. Time is the one that actually helps us to assess the faithfulness, the availability, the teachability of people. Um, we obviously ask for people's testimony um, before we actually start you know, training them. Our focus is on pastors. But you will find that sometimes um, it's easy to memorize what you have been told and it hasn't reached the heart. Mm. So we oftentimes have people who can just regurgitate the gospel, but you can't see men's heart. You cannot. But what we have found over uh, these years is that even as you start teaching and training and you hammer in on the gospel, we do not assume that these pastors are saved. And rightly so, because we constantly are having pastors saved during that hmm. during that training. Um, and, 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 and that just confirms that. We don't have the luxury of, um, of assessing through education, for example, because it, the situation is just bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just bad in terms of uh, the level of education that many of the pastors have had. Um, so we're working with... Because that infrastructure is not, the infrastructure not widespread is not, yeah, out there. Yeah, when you think about the educational system in the rural areas, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. And so many people have a very low level of education, reading ability or capability. Even though Zimbabwe, I must say, <clears throat> compared to many other countries, um, has, a, has a very good literacy rate. And I think there have been good things that have been done. But the villages are lagging far behind what mm-hmm. is there in the city. So it's kind of centralized into the, to the larger, more uh, modernized good. cities. Right. Yep. Um, so, and you say time, there's kind of a, there's a, a, it's more relationship building. And it's more relationship building. It's a lot of spending time with the, uh, with the pastors. It's not um, a model where you can say we see each other, uh, you know, one day out of every week. Uh, when we do the training, we actually stay with the pastors. We, we eat with them. Yeah. We, we sleep with them in the same rooms. Um, you want to we, see what their we, life is like. We share life. Yeah. We share life together. And out of there is where now you do find those gems of faithful, just teachable, available pastors. We, we spend time with their families um, and, and, you know, just try to Im- input into their lives. And it's, it's really life-on-life discipleship with them. And out of there is now where you've got gives grace. We find some of these pastors who are really, um, who, who God has really grabbed their, their heart off and then we really invest in them in terms of strengthening the church, using them to church plant and things like that. How do they find you? Or do you go and find them? Or what's that process like? I mean, I'm assuming it's not like a, yeah. <laughs> it's not like a matchmaker website <laughs> for Christ of first Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, well, what, what, what has happened over the last few years is that things have just taken a life of its own. I mean, when you think about the training itself that we do, um, we also send these pastors recorded audio messages on WhatsApp, for example, during the weeks that perhaps we do not meet. And uh, going through the Bible verse by verse, um, 
And so one of the things we constantly hear and are amazed about is, you know, they go in their homes, in their huts. Uh, they may have a solar-powered radio or something. They're listening with their wives, with their children. And then in several cases, it may be loud enough for their neighbor to huh. hear. Yeah. And then the neighbor comes and says, hey, what is this that you're listening to? Maybe I've been following, but I just haven't been coming. And then the neighbor starts hearing this as well. And then we also have pastors who now say you have several of their neighbors gathering and even other people from their church gathering just to hear an audio of God's word being faithfully preached. Hmm. Now, because this is on WhatsApp, you also share it. Yes. And so okay. it starts getting shared all across um, different parts of the country. Okay. So even right now, as we talk, we have over 150 pastors on a waiting list of wanting to come and be trained. Wow. We, we don't advertise. We haven't, you know, posted anything. You know, we are um, training through a Bible institution in, in one of the most obscure villages. But people are just hearing about it through some of those ways, or even some of the pastors who are being trained, sharing with their friends and, and so forth like that. But the main vehicle, I believe, has been these audio messages that have been going out of the Word of God being preached in the local language in Zimbabwe. And are those most, most of those messages preached by you? Most of them, yes. Yep. And then we have um, another brother uh, or two other brothers who also help with the messages and also translating our... Um, our oh, English, local languages. Yeah, our English, because uh, our church, the local church where I pastor is in English in the city. And so we also have about uh, two or three other brothers who help with translating the messages that are preached by the pastors at the church. And then they also go out. What are, what are the other languages? So Primary, at least? Um, so English would be more familiar in the city. Okay. Uh, we have two main local languages. We, we have more than two, but the main to our uh, Shona, which is the one I'm talking about right now and the one that I, I do speak personally, and another one called Ndebele that I okay. do not speak Ndebele. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I think I read that there's like 16 different languages widely yeah. spoken yeah. within yeah. Zimbabwe. Absolutely, yeah. But the main, main ones are these two that you will find. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you have 150 on the wait list. Um, do you, sadly enough, do you find that you have to turn a lot of them away because you don't find that these pastors are suitable for the, for the program? Well, we find that we have to turn them away mostly because of finances. Oh. <laughs> because um, these are pastors that cannot afford it. They cannot afford um, the training. When they, when they do come to the school, this is a residential school. So that means we have to feed them, oh. right? We have to house them, bedding, all of these things. Some of them we even have to pay for their transportation to actually get there. Uh, we have the ones that are currently there. Many of them walk very long distances just mm. to make it. Uh, we, we basically have to provide everything, the learning materials, everything. So that, that is a hindrance in actually us um, having all of them come. That's one aspect. Um, because they would be coming to Harare? They'll be coming to the, the village where we're training. Oh, the main this, village. The main okay. village where we're training, which is um, uh, which is a village in a district called Chivi. It's, okay, is that the Nyanira? Yep. yep, yep, that's the area, about 12 hours drive away from Harare. Oh, okay, yep. south? 
Uh, yes, going south. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the main. And then the other reason too is that that limits our actually taking all of them in is that we have to we we have to over the years i think god has been kind but we we constantly have to invest more in other men and helpers who can help with that work of actually teaching and investing significantly in discipling these yeah. men so um currently um about five five men who help with this teaching and discipling that i'm really thankful to the lord for but we need more we need more in order to be able to do this well. So there's yeah. a it, generally there's just a big resource lack in terms of exactly. people and then also finances exactly. that can right. help bring people. Right. Um, it, and is that um, it, it, to this point then is uh, Coffin funding a lot of a lot of what you are what you are already able to do. Yeah, at the moment, Coffin is funding what we're able to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, through the support of um, uh, several churches here in, in the States, God has been very kind. And uh, through also some projects that we do on the ground to yeah. help ourselves to be more self-sustaining, yeah. uh, we're able to be, to be able to train those, those men. Yeah. Um, the self-sustaining piece... Um, I think I saw you mention either in one of the videos you sent me or, or online. Um, there's almost a a fine line between kind of the you know the saying of you give a man a fish he eats for a day if you teach him he eats for his life type of thing mm-hmm. and uh, there's that fine line of trying to figure out at what point am I helping them and at what point am I enabling or causing a dependent relationship uh, that is not good for them in the long term. Right. How do you um, how do you navigate that? Yeah. Um, so right now you're speaking in terms of the actual people we're teaching. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's um, that's that's a good question. The self-sustaining component uh, that Christ of His Importance Ministries does is is done very carefully as best as we can. Um, it would take us a number of years before we actually invest in a pastor to be self-sustaining. Again, time. Is, is the main aspect here yeah. of um, we, we want to be very sure before we invest in any pastor or help him in that aspect. And there are several stages to this, and, and some of them include just initially trusting with little. Mm-hmm. And if you're faithful in little, you know, you will be entrusted with more. Uh, not that we tell them that, <laughs> sure. you know, but... Um, but they but, will reveal their kind but, of lot of mindset. But it will reveal a lot of their mindset, you know. Um, one of the main things that we, we, we look at is this aspect of, of contentment. Mm-hmm. Are they content with, with the little that God has given them? Mm. Um, are they faithfully preaching the word of God even when they are in lack? Are they, um, are they generous with the little that they have? Um, so it would be a struggle for us for example, I'll give you an, an example of um, one particular pastor that sometimes we do help some of the students. And at one time helped this particular pastor with like a, a bag of beans, you know. Mm-hmm. So he could have he could have kept it for his family. That that would have helped his family very well for two months. Mm. That, that could have helped his family. Um, but with this bag of beans, he... 
he thanks me for the bag of beans. He thanks the school for the bag of beans. But in the in in talking in the conversation, realized that he only kept about one tenth of that bag. Hmm. The rest of it, he gave to other people in his church that he knew were struggling. Um, now that says a lot about his heart, um, where it's he. He, he doesn't have confidence that he will be okay a month from now. But he trusts the Lord mm. for tomorrow. And it, in that process, it's he will show his contentment by being generous with the little that he has. Um, so people with hearts like that, mm. that are seen over time, you, you have more confidence in helping them to be more self-sustaining, knowing that whatever project or anything that you're going to help them with, they're going to have a kingdom mindset to it. And it's not just about enriching me as a pastor. It's about how can I use what God has given me for the progress of the gospel, for the greater purposes of the kingdom, um, that for the encouragement of the saints, um, to use it as a tool to share the gospel with other people, all of those things. And that's what we'd like to see. So... It is a fine line that you mentioned, but it, we, 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 we do take time to observe the character of each pastor or church that would invest in. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, through the process of what you go through, just the, the importance of, of allowing time to, to go, to lapse, and to just being patient. Yeah. Is it hard to be patient? It's very hard to be patient. It's very hard to be patient because you know that in the process of being patient, someone is struggling. Um, you know that sometimes they, they're struggling to feed their family. Um, it, it's very hard. It's very hard. Um, but, in, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's also balancing that with being a good steward of the resources that God has given to us. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we have made mistakes before yeah. in the past. And um, Meaning given to somebody who wasn't yes, trustworthy yeah, or responsible. We have made mistakes before. And, and, and the impact of, that mis- of those mistakes are just, just far outweigh mm. that s- difficulty that you go through because you've seen the other side of what that would look like. Um, I assume that on on the part of the pastors, there's also a level of impatience or maybe hurriedness. Um, how do those conversations go with with them, as they say, "But Thomas, we need it now. We need it now." Yeah, those those happen, and um, but I think over over t- the first thing is you know we we never promise, and there's there's never any communication to any of these pastors that we we will help <laughs> yeah. or that, you know, if you're connected with us, you will get this. There's, there's never that communication or that promise at all. Um, and so what, obviously those conversations do happen where they share a need. And of course, it's a case by case scenario. We're not saying that our hearts are cold to, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> so if, if I have, if God has blessed me personally with something and his family doesn't have anything for eating for food tonight, you know, we're not going to tell you and say, okay, you know, 
go well and be fed kind of thing. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we 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 do help where we can, but um, but there there are conversations that are hard, and we need this now. And people are struggling, and all of these things. Um, we need in, in in big magnitudes and things like that. There are those conversations that are there, but I think our main priority is just to turn them to the Lord and to trust um, God. There's, there's never been a day that even I personally have taken care of my family in the strictest sense. We, we, we understand God is the one who takes care of us. Um, there's never been a day where I have fed my family. It's God who has always been doing that. And, and it's the same for them. There's never been a day that, you know, I, I, would, I would even start taking credit or anyone would even dare to start cre- taking credit that they survived because of me, because of us. It's God who continues to do that, who has done that for them from birth, you know, even up till today. And so just that firm confidence is is, is reassuring mm. to us. And we, we point them to that, that our Father is the one who we should always turn to. And I mean, when you look at it now, even many of those conversations that you're asking about happened years ago. Mm-hmm. But they're still living. They're still surviving. Yeah, yeah. We didn't help. That's because God our Father has continued to do that. Mm. Um, so having that mindset really, um, that it, it helps us not to be under pressure. Yes. A, a false pressure that if I don't do this, someone will die. Uh-huh. Yeah. And their life is not in my hands. Yeah. Right? It's in God's hands. And, and, and we, we, we strive to point them to that. Yeah. Um, uh, from my seat, kind of growing up how I did, you know, probably middle to upper class in America of all places, the the idea, but having gone to church, the idea or the notion of, of um, you know, uh, it is not we who have fed ourselves, but it is God who has provided, um, that has largely been probably an academic exercise for me, an intellectual uh, ascent. Mm-hmm. Um, for you... How has has it been interacting with these uh, villages or the, these pastors from these villages? Has it helped it make it more um, consistently real? It, because you know, I, I say that it's it's an intellectual ascent for me because I can say yes, I I believe that's true, but it's easy for me to forget in my daily life. Mm. And so, um, for you, what has helped you? What has helped you to remember and and kind of bring that to a fuller, uh, more prominent truth for you? Well, I think it's also applying it to my life mm. um, and working with that even with my family and constantly reminding ourselves in a context that is hard that God is the one who provides um, and, you know, really believing that when Jesus um, teaches his disciples to pray and says, please give us our daily bread, mm. that really is what it meant. Um, and there's a reason why he didn't say, please give us our weekly bread or monthly bread or yearly bread yeah. or decade bread. You know? <laughs> or Thanksgiving you know, bread. Thanksgiving yeah. bread, all of those things. It's, it's really, how can we live day by day trusting the Lord, being thankful to the Lord for today and trusting him for tomorrow mm-hmm. um, in, in, in everything? So I, I think practicing that, in a family context has been has has really 
helped us to bring that to reality. Even, mm. even, even during the times where you may think that you're guaranteed of tomorrow because you know how much is in your bank account. Yeah. But if God would choose, all of that would just disappear, like in the next few seconds. So there's really... Like if you invested in Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that could just go away, right? So, so, so even, even as we pray for food in my home, and, and thank the Lord. It's, we, we thank you for the daily bread for today. Yeah. Please help us to trust you for our daily bread for tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Right? So it, it's, it's, it's that reality of every day, every life, every breath belongs to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if the Lord would so choose that tomorrow we would struggle, he, he would still be good in that. He would still be good in that, and 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 not just saying this in words, but yeah. really believing that because there are days where you do struggle, yeah. <laughs> and and then you really have to come back to those truths that God is still good, even though my circumstances would have changed. Yeah. Um, so to to get back to how you started um, that that question, even 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 to the pastors and it's it's putting hands and feet to that that this is not just an intellectual thing just like anything else in the bible it's not just something that is intellectual that we know these truths but we gotta leave them out every day Mm. you know just like i i can't say hey mike i'll see you tomorrow Right. right it's if the lord wills yeah i will see you tomorrow and i really have to believe that that if the Lord does will, that's how I will see you tomorrow. And so I will, I will, I will love you as, as, as best as I can, knowing that my seeing you tomorrow is dependent upon the Lord. I may not see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So I think we, we, we got to get past all the truths of the Bible and just thinking of them in terms of just a mental ascent, I think is how you put them. But just reality really how do you uh, what are your kids ages again um my kids ages um there's four yeah four kids four children our first one is 12 okay his name is joel our daughter alapia is nine um our another daughter the third one caris is seven and then our last um for now our last born <laughs> most recent Micah, yeah. our most recent one is four years old okay mm-hmm. and um as you interact with them, what are the ways that you try and uh, what are the routines that you've built in with them to help them uh, be mindful of God's provision and His sovereignty mm. through those things? Yeah, well, we do pray together. Um, those those routines are there, praying and 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 our prayers to be intentional in always trusting the Lord. How how we do not deserve. We always remind ourselves in th- of those things that we, we do not deserve anything apart from God's good grace, you know. Um, and, and and obviously we struggle in those areas too. Mm-hmm. Like any family, sometimes it's it's hard. Uh, just even now as we're visiting here, we've, 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 we work a lot on being content without much but then here it's, it flips. It's like, hey, now we got to work a lot on being content in a context that has much, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and yeah. just recently, we, we, we as a family had to have a family meeting and say, oh, I think we are veering off from this. How can we remind ourselves of these truths that we do not deserve anything yeah. apart from His grace? And so said, okay, as, as a reminder of this, of these things, we will, we will not do A, B, C, D while we're here. Just mm-hmm. to intentionally remind ourselves that we do not deserve that. So, um, so how we pray is, and how we discipline our children and actually talk about why we are disciplining. Um, and um, those, those routines are there that help us to remind ourselves of that. We do spend time in God's Word, um, just reading the Bible as a family, particularly in the evenings. And then, um, you know, my son is much older now, 12 years old, so he, by God's grace, um, he made a professional faith last mm-hmm. year. And uh, I had the joy of baptizing him, which was which was which was one of the great joys of my life so far. That's great. Um, but just following up with him as he even grows as a not just a son but a brother yeah. of the Lord. That uh, that 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 is you. So having intentional conversations, and uh, perhaps just piggybacking off of that aspect of intentional conversations is is using the everyday situations in life as teaching opportunities um so the dinner table is a great place in the evening because it's those questions of what did you see today yeah what did you find interesting hey how do we think about this yeah. what did you watch today yeah what were good things about it what are bad things what were things that go along with god's word what are things that do not go along with god's word what relationships did you form today things like that so those things are helpful hmm. for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my son is five, but uh, I think, you know, early on I started to just think about the years ahead and um, realizing to some extent early on I'm teaching him how to behave, but ultimately I need to be teaching him how to think, right, and how to perceive. And I hear yep. kind of a little bit of... of uh, what, that's part of what you're doing with Joel and, and, and Olivia and yeah. Karis and, and Micah, even yep. Micah 4. Yep. But, um, yep. yeah, it's it's a different challenge because mm-hmm. behavior sometimes even seems a little easier to control than, than mm-hmm. how they think. Yeah, in their hearts. Yeah. Yeah, in their hearts. And I talked about um, even discipline and things like that. It's, it's, it's more asking, what do you think was happening in your heart when you did this, when yeah. you say this, when you thought this way? Yeah. What are thoughts that were going along with God? What are thoughts that were not going along with God? What is your motivation for doing this? Um, so that ends up taking more time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and more work. It's yeah. hard work. Yeah. But I think we want to reach our kids' hearts to see how much their hearts are deceitful above all things. And it's only the Lord who can understand them and um, help them to understand their own hearts. For yeah. sure. Yep. It certainly takes more time, um, mm-hmm. but I guess uh, that's part of what it means to be a parent, right? right. Taking those times. Yep. Yeah. Um, thinking again a little bit more about Cotham, um, talk a little bit about the uh, the orphan care. Um, how is how is orphan care or how is uh, 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 yeah the orphan care? What is the situation generally in mm. Zimbabwe? How is it perceived culturally? Mm. Um, 
and, and what are the challenges that you, you face within that? Yeah, the often um, situation in Zimbabwe is, is, is not good. Um, I think you, you have a very high number of orphans that are there. Um, and, and a lot of things are tied to things such as how bad the economy has been lately. I think uh, just in the last two months or so, I think there was a report on BBC, if I'm not mistaken, that put Zimbabwe's uh, food inflation as being highest in the world mm. at, this, at this stage. So unemployment is, is, is high. So you have a number of people, um, even particularly where we're working right now, leaving the villages to go and look for work in South Africa and in various places, various elements. And when they do that, uh, they, they come back and many of them sometimes would have contracted HIV AIDS. Mm. They pass it on to their wives. Um, the, um, pretty soon, perhaps they pass away, they die. And so you have these children that are left there. We have a lot of what we call child-headed homes, which means that mm. if you have a 12 and a 13-year-old now left, they become basically the parents and the children in that home. Um, is this in the city and in the villages too? This is, this is you find this both in the city and the villages, and um, more so in the villages though. Because, but then the one thing that is that I find good about the society in Zimbabwe is this, the relationships that are valued there with extended families or extended relatives, the uncles and the aunts. Now. What we what we then seek to do is to help those uncle and aunts, uh, those extended relatives, make it easier to take in those orphans that would have been left behind. It would be hard for them because they barely oftentimes can feed their own children. But then if we come alongside them and say, through the church or the churches that we work with as Christ of First Importance Ministries, through the church, we will we will help support this child as best as we can or these children as best as we can um, as you take them in now obviously they benefit because if we say we're gonna even like you know a, a gallon of milk or something like that there's no way we're gonna say only johnny and jane sure. <laughs> are the ones who are gonna drink this milk yeah. you know so they, there's 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 a sense in which we are helping them as well by extension so what Christ for First Importance does is that we recognize that this is a big problem in the church and we cannot ignore that. Um, but it's also an opportunity to share the gospel. So what we then do is we work with several churches that we invest in and train in terms of mercy ministry. And then these churches then take this food to the homes of those orphans and um, not only have an opportunity to share the gospel just with the uh, orphans themselves, but also the extended relatives. Now, this is all connected to the training. It's not just it's not just uh, disconnected, because we if if those children and the extended relatives come to Christ, we want them to be connected to a very healthy church in their community. Mm -hmm. But a healthy church means that the leadership has to be trained. Yeah. So 
that's where now you have the training component that is there that we 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 want to have confidence that this food that we're using as a tool for the gospel is going to be used so effectively that people are pointed to not just another heretical church and then that way it would have just cared for their physical alleviation but we want to go beyond that and care for their eternal souls so that's why there's this strong emphasis as well on is this church we're working with going to share the true gospel going to be faithful in that is this pastor that we're training going to disciple well going to preach god's word well and so forth and that's kind of the tip of the spear for for, right. for what's the most important evaluation but the orphan care then happens to be just such a prominent physical need right um, you cannot ignore but you can tap into to invest in the church and progress the gospel hmm. yep. um with uh is i guess I'm trying to wonder uh, figure out like are there orphanages that are set up in these villages or and are you like in any village that you go to is there just like dozens of, of orphans or what's the frequency i guess well we don't have orphanages per se in zimbabwe uh, we have some children's homes that are there that um, several children's homes where you have often children that are taken care of by you know a a a mother cotton coat that would be serving there per number of children and so forth um but we as as christ of first importance and i believe even even the 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 social welfare arm of the government is leans towards this as well is that it is better for that child to be raised within a context of the extended relatives uh, for several reasons. Uh, one of them is that culturally the connection between uh, relatives is huge. Um, mm. You cannot get married, or it's very hard for you to get married or even buried <laughs> without that social approval of extended relatives. Yeah. So if we put you in an orphanage or a children's home, we are cutting you off from all of those things. That will be very difficult later on if you raise this child and now one day they want to get married, one day they want to die. And that's just connected so much to the just the culture. The community, that is there, the community the aspect yeah. that is there. Okay. So that's not to say that, you know, the staying with extended relatives doesn't have its own challenges. And that has its own challenges, but we find that the advantages far outweigh the challenges that are there. Mm. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so it's really, but again, it's just fortifying through the churches. It's and, just working and, through and, the churches, right? And do you just uh, cough them here of the needs through the pastors that you've built relationships with? Yeah, we work with the pastors. We work with um, the village leaders that are the traditional leaders that are there so each village will have a village head um, and the village head will also under several village heads will be a chief that is there so we also want to include the community in there not just the church but the community to actually help in this in this whole process that is there um, is there a cultural sentiment of how um, the uh, the orphan situation within Zimbabwe is in general, like, is there a level of shame? Is there a level of, 
like like is it high priority culturally like oh shoot we need to address this those sorts of things or yeah i i think i think generally people have had um in, in the communities that we've worked with we have found it encouraging that people are aware of the orphans that are there granted because of the sinfulness of the human heart in several contexts you're going to find shame that mm. is associated with it you're going to find a lack of acceptance like uh, this is just the way it is yeah or, or even just ex- or even just um care that would be there from the community for mm. these orphans um and 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 the sad part is when you do get to communities where you have those child-headed homes they're surrounded by community mm. but no one is taking them in now one thing that is helpful to explain this is that um <clears throat> in in a context of ancestral worship and animism traditional beliefs those beliefs you're going to find that um from from the moment that every zimbabwean black zimbabwean is born they're given a totem and I'm sure you're very familiar with the totem and that even when I was born, I was given a totem. Like my totem is a monkey. <laughs> right? okay. um, but each totem um, connects you to all of your your relatives, and in 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 several instances too, that can also be used in uh, some of the religious um, traditional religious um, worship that is there. But you will find that the there is a um, there is a suspicion of if you're not of my totem or of my relatives, I don't know what evil spirits you're going to come with or bring. Mm. I don't know what your descendants have done. I don't know what, you know. So even the concept of adoption is very, very, very rare to hear in Zimbabwe, hmm. particularly because of that fear of... Associating with associating. some evil spirits. Exactly. Hmm. So adoption is, is, is very rarely heard of in Zimbabwe. So now when you have a community like that, if I come back to your question, um, when you have some of those things in a community, you'll find that they would rather have these children oftentimes stay by themselves Mm. than take in someone that I have no idea what evil spirits, quote unquote, they may have or avenging spirits they may have, all of those things that I'll be bringing into my family. Mm. So then it, it would, the only option then would be to connect them to some extended relative, some way, somehow, that have a strong connection with them, even totem-wise, um, to be able to do that. So sometimes the indifference of the community is, is, is more connected to that. Well, I mean, there are people in my family sometimes when I've talked about, I'd like to adopt a child. Yeah. And very close people in my family, the first question they ask is, what, what do you want to bring into our home? Yeah. You know, yeah. how, how will this affect everyone else yeah. in our home? You know, not that we're staying in the same home, but by yeah. relation, I've brought in another totem into Like it's almost like asking, why would you want to do that to us? Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, in a lot of villages, you're going to find that they would be um, uh, left to themselves because of that. Um, What's encouraging sometimes is that sometimes people would bring food for them, Mm -hmm. but they're not willing to take them in. 
but we know that caring for a child is more than just I drop off a bag of rice, I drop off this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's like what we just said about parenting, right? You can exactly. only help them physically so much, but yep. how they think and what they know to be true is right. it's a long-term most important thing. Yeah. Does Zimbabwe have um, a process for adoption? I mean, I assume it does, but it's just not it, used very much. Yeah, there is a process for adoption. It's not used very much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the it doesn't allow international adoptions as as far as as, as I know. Um, but you you do have a you do have some people adopting, but the the but you find that oftentimes the adoption that you start seeing is cross cultural. Is cross like maybe black Zimbabweans being adopted by white. Zimbabweans and so forth um, but then you also are starting to I know there's a huge advocacy to start having national Zimbabweans black Zimbabweans to adopt among themselves among yeah. each other but that is such a hard barrier to yeah. break but yeah you have that happening the, is there maybe a little bit of a generational shift though in the perspective I I haven't seen it okay. um, but perhaps the <laughs> um, Perhaps the people who work more directly with it, like the government, might be able to better say that. But I haven't, um, I haven't seen that. I think if you, if you have any legal adoption, it's probably going to be more those who are related adopting those who are also those of their extended kin, extended, extended kin, family, yeah. yeah, rather than across these totems and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I see. Um, but the process is there. I have seen a very rigorous process that they have there. I'm just, I just don't think many, they're not winning. <laughs> does it take a while? What's that? Does it take a while? It takes a while. It does take a while for adoption. And, and I think they, and rightly so, I think they'll be wanting to actually make sure that that child is placed in a, in a good and safe home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you, uh, as you look kind of to the future, do you have a vision for what Coffin can do, become, or the ways that it, its um, impact will ripple through mm. the communities that you're uh, interacting with? Yeah, I think currently um, the the main vision that we have is guided by <clears throat> the mission of how how can we have the true gospel just be so clear in in the country. It's guided also by understanding that the key to this will be in training pastors, will be in planting churches. Um, I think church planting really is the heart of missions. Um, so we would like to see the Shona Bible Institute just increase its impact, particularly in how it's training the rural pastors there. Um, one of the visions is to see if the Lord, Lord willing, and this is like maybe a long-term vision, yeah. that we have several of these institutes, Shona Bible Institute, in different parts of the country. So those could be even more localized. Those could be even more localized there. Um, we, we, we see the rural areas really being at a... A, a blessing in a sense that there's such an open and wide door for the gospel and training in these areas. Um, you're, you're not going to find such a good time as this where the prosperity gospel could easily 
be quashed in that 70% of the population because the to because you have poor people that are there who have barely anything and you have um, the opportunity to to train for free to train them for free and not benefit anything from it hmm. and and that's not something that you're going to find easily a prosperity church doing yeah. building a school and doing it for free yeah. <laughs> yeah. and not benefiting anything from it right no transaction no transaction that is there so financial at least yeah so as as long as um you know the lord has these villages where they are right now at least financially i see that as a blessing and an opportunity and an open door yeah that if things were ever to change at least we can have churches that are solid will stand firm if such a time as that comes um, so one of the visions is just to see as many of these Bible training institutes that are there that teach in the local language uh, set up in the villages. Hmm. Uh, Shona Bible Institute, do they, is it English and Shona? It's Shona. Oh, only Shona. It is Shona. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and is uh, a Bible in the Shona language, is it readily available? Uh, we have, a, uh, we have um, some translations that have been done. Um, in the local language, obviously you're going to struggle with uh, the translations. Um, but I, we, we do have one decent one that is available at the moment. Yep. And is literacy rates in the villages, is it good enough? Uh, is it high enough for, for if people had a Bible in, in their local language that they would be able to understand it? Yeah, you, you're going to find people who cannot read many times um, you're going to find um, even sometimes pastors who cannot uh, read well um, but you also find that the people oftentimes that a community will choose to be a pastor or something like that will probably be one of those that is better among them in terms of reading and things like that mm-hmm. so we will definitely at the school we take great care to work with some of those pastors whose reading levels are not that that good so it, it takes a while and it's and Coming that's back to part, the patience piece right yeah yeah it takes a while and it um it's one of those um areas that makes us spend so much time in training these pastors and just helping them to understand just even the basic elements of a sentence you know for them to get to a point where they can identify and say this is the subject this is a verb you know this is yes. like that's that's amazing for us and so as we are teaching the bible we're also teaching some of these um this 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 um aspects of how do you read how do you analyze well it's interesting uh, i mean because i think about the economy i think about the education mm-hmm. um think about you know even the the political corruption that has been and maybe still is um and um and just also thinking about um you know the other elements related to that in terms of uh, orphan care or um uh the the prosperity gospel what what do you think the country of zimbabwe needs the most right now country of zimbabwe needs the gospel that's what it needs (laughs) yeah that's what it needs and um as long as as long as that that is not there but that's what every nation needs right you're gonna find um challenges with every nation uh even here in the states uh, wherever you you're gonna go it might be in different forms but as long as god is not honored you're gonna have 
um, all of those issues just just being there. So my prayer is that the gospel may be clear. My prayer is that God may raise up faithful men, pastors who will um, stand firm in teaching God's word. Um, my my prayer is that we may have good, strong, faithful churches um, that are planted and some that are existing right now to be strengthened. And and I think that's that's what that's what would would honor the Lord. I I'm very clear about the physical aspect in understanding that this we, we will not be able to you know get rid of all the poverty that is there mm-hmm. we won't be able to do that that's a reality that i know our lord told us that the poor will always be with us but it's more of with where god has the nation in terms of all the struggles how can we use this for the progress of the gospel before our lord returns it's interesting though because to me um I think the idea or the the word gospel, you know, so much of it is it's a message. It's a message. It's the message. Um, but as you talk about it, it's not um, the, the the country of Zimbabwe needing the gospel. You don't see it just as preaching. You don't see it just as um, uh, even training people to 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 preach well or to know and understand the Bible. But you you you. Uh, are through Kofim and, and just the interactions or relationships that you have, you're doing it in a way that is also um, caring for the physical needs, that it's not an uh, either-or approach, right? It's not mutually exclusive that, well, I can only either meet their physical needs or I can teach them uh, spiritual truths. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it, it, it's really cool to see. It's yeah. encouraging to see because... Yeah. Um, it's like you said. It's you know, be be well or go well and be fed, right? Or yeah, and and uh, the intentionality, I guess, and uh, maybe what makes me think that is because sometimes I've I've even ventured mentally into the the thinking of all they need is to know Jesus. All they need is to know Jesus, mm. and but then you look at a situation, especially like an orphan, mm. and. Well, there's real physical needs that, that I can help meet too, right. and um, it it's helpful because then it it's not those I, I just want to call them spiritual blinders, but it's probably not the best phrase for it. But there's mm. these sometimes we can have these blinders that like all we need to do is just throw the seeds of the gospel and mm. you know let it grow yeah. <laughs> as yeah. opposed to, to, to nurturing it. Yeah, I mean that's 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 primarily obviously the gospel is embodied in the person of Christ. It's a message. It's the hope well, that sinful men have. But the message, the the gospel is also meant to be lived out. Mm-hmm. It's also meant to be lived out. It's supposed to bear fruit. It's supposed to um, show how we are light in the midst of darkness. Um, and 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 so there there needs to be this. Also, this, this, this. Um, I use this term carefully, but this holistic approach. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know sometimes I can be used in a, in different ways, but in a holistic approach that doesn't hurt or distract from the message and the person of Christ, yeah. but that this holistic approach that 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 points to the message and the person of Christ. Um, and, and and so that's that's what we're we're doing because it's not just that. 
we do relief work for the sake of relief work. Otherwise, we'd just be like UNICEF or any other sure. organization. We don't, we, 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 we don't just uh, give food for the sake of food. We don't just help you to learn how to farm for the sake of you just eating and learning how to farm. But everything has to come back to that central message of what is the gospel and who is the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because otherwise it's just an intellectual exercise to exactly. some extent, right? Right. Um, a couple more questions. Um, I was thinking about how you said in that preaching class, and you preached on Jonah, and the the fear that was just normally ever present for you mm. was gone, mm. and the level of conviction that you had um, just superseded it. Mm. And then, as you talked too about just the WhatsApp messages that you sent to some of these pastors in these villages and just the, um, I couldn't think of another word, but just the attractiveness, you know, mm-hmm. neighbors hearing it and, and uh, uh, um, saying, hey, what, what's, what is this? And, and mm-hmm. kind of having either a desire met or a curiosity peaked, those sorts of things. Um, I'm not sure what my question is, but what, what do you think is going on there when you think about um, the just the the strength and the um the power of of god's word Mm. and and what what it did in your life uh in terms of not only making you willing to preach but now your life is filled with it Mm. and and then impacting these villages too in a similar way to to just kind of saturating Mm. um and overcoming uh, obstacles that most people would see as uh, uh, obstacles that couldn't be overcome. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure what your question is either, Mike. But uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I. Um, but I'll attempt to to comment to, to comment. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I I think that the Lord uses weak vessels and I'm, 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 I'll be the first one to to raise my hand in being a weak vessel and at the vessel that has been entrusted with the gospel and wanting to always keep in mind that you know what what we have been created for is for good works and for God's glory um, but one thing that I I, I, I I do try to do knowing how imperfect I am is is not to dwell on what has been done yesterday uh, because I think sometimes that distracts us <laughs> that distracts us um, I, I, I choose to forget almost every day how the Lord used me yesterday <laughs> it might sound weird but I choose to do that because um, that can become big in a prideful way hmm. to such an extent that I'm of no use today you know so it's almost as if every day is a is a clean slate, you know. That God, how can I be used for Your glory today? Um, and and the challenges, like you're saying, are insurmountable. They're they're big, they're huge. But we serve a God with overall, right? Yeah. And they're big in our minds, but to Him, the, this there's a purpose, obviously, why He's allowing all of this to be there. Um, but he calls us to trust in him every day and always be mindful that 
you know, we, we, we need to rely upon him every day. So um, today is one day. Yeah. But tomorrow, today will be yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And tomorrow will be the today. Yeah. And tomorrow we, we strive on, we press on again towards the goal of knowing Christ and people knowing Christ. And uh, yeah, and, and just trust the Lord will, will give us strength and wisdom and how to do it. Yeah. There, there's an element of faith too that I, I think I hear that is um, because you know you talked before about setting the terms with God mm-hmm. and now it's well these are the circumstances yeah. this is the mountain we have to climb yeah I don't know I don't know what rations we're gonna have and I don't know how we're gonna and do I, it yeah I just know the strength that we have that God has promised us that his spirit will help us God will help us in it He's called us to walk that trail. Right? Yeah, and yeah, we don't know what's around the corner, and um, but when but when we reach that corner, I believe that God will God always gives us the grace we need when we need it. Um, I think uh, sometimes we we try to figure out, you know, everything, the tomorrows and the day after and things like that. But we're trying to figure out things we haven't been given grace for yet. Mm. Um, so it's with, with these challenges that are there for today, God gives us the grace that we need for today. And, and for tomorrow, I'm sure there'll be bigger challenges, but he'll give us the grace we need for that tomorrow. You know? yeah. And we just keep doing that day by day. Yeah. You know, just day by day. Look at the lilies of the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, as you, you've been doing this, you know, you, came over, got education, uh, and went to seminary, and have been back now, and, and just devoting your life to preaching, mm-hmm. and to caring for um, pastors and churches, or caring for people through the, the caring for pastors and churches. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what has, over the this course, what has your dad thought about all of it? Hmm. Yeah. Um... My my dad, my relationship with my dad has been uh, difficult over the years. Mm-hmm. It's been difficult. Um, I think, as I shared with you, he he struggled with me not going not, to law school, not going to law school, um, and he's, you know, he has certain expectations that 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 were there. I mean, they've been they've been. Uh, he's he's now um, very sick. Mm. My dad, uh, with uh, cancer that comes and goes often times, so he's now at a stage where he he basically can't, um, you know, function by himself. Um, so we see him as often as we can, and we talk to him as often as we can. Uh, but what has been encouraging, oftentimes, is 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 just him affirming that we need to keep walking with the Lord, you know. Mm. Uh, so that that has been good. That has been good. Um, I, 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 I do not think my dad knows the Lord. Mm. And so that, that's a big desire for us, that he would, he would come to faith and know Christ. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult place, but we, 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 we continue to pray for him. And, and, and hopeful what would be best for him in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I know they said they had two questions, but just one, mm-hmm. one last one. Um, uh, what? Uh, this one's more lighthearted. Okay. Um, thinking about Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. um, what uh, if I were to visit Zimbabwe? What would I? Uh, what would be the some things, some really yummy things that I would eat, and some fun <laughs> things that I would see? Some really yummy things that you would eat. Um, well, most people, the the one yummy thing that they really like and eat almost every day is the staple food that's called sadza. Yeah, which is it's like uh, a porridge, right? It's like a porridge, like a hard starched kind of like a cornmeal that's mashed into like looks like mashed potatoes, but mm-hmm. just firmer. Yeah, and just have those with um, some kale, vegetables, and um, meat on the side, like chicken and um, and 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 beef. Yeah, so that that would be the main main thing that you can expect when you when you do get there. Um, Zimbabwe has a lot of traditional fruit that okay. are there that um, you don't you find said there. fruit fruit. Yeah. Yep, that you you find particularly in the villages. That's okay. just that's just unique. It's hard to describe to. <laughs> um, you have um, one one fruit that you you basically chew like a bubble gum until like it just you know loses all its taste and stuff and you don't swallow it then? You, no you don't swallow it what's it called you just swallow the, uh, well the shona term is uh lowe 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 with a d oh right um omatowe in uh in the plural form so you find you find that you you enjoy some of those things um in terms of places of visiting uh there's a number of game parks that you do find there like lions in the wild, elephants in the wild, okay. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, obviously Victoria Falls is a is a big is a big part. Yeah, I, I'll take you there if you came. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard it's beautiful. It is. It is. It's amazing. Um, so it's right on the border too, right? Yeah, right on the border with Zambia, um, but the falls actually fall on the side of Zimbabwe. where Zimbabwe is okay. and stuff. So yeah, that that's one of the the, the great places. That we do have there. Yeah, yeah. I saw some pictures and I was like, "Oh, that looks amazing!" It is amazing. Yeah, it's just those are the things that yeah. uh, I think you know. Even just trying to to teach my son Isaiah, like, be in awe of these things. It's a yeah. good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing that God created them and absolutely he's teaching us. Yep. So. Yep. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for the time. Uh, it's Mike. been a great encouragement to hear of uh, what the Lord is doing mm-hmm. through you and through Kofum. Um, continue to pray for you and um yeah it's been an encouragement thank you great thanks mike it's been a pleasure thanks so much for listening hope you enjoyed getting to know thomas as much as i did talk to you soon lord bless